0: NBCU hailed Peacock's streaming exclusive Chiefs Dolphins wild card game a success, but was it? Did it get a bump in subscribers? And will they stick around? Listen now to find out.
1: Welcome to this week's edition of Inside the Stream. This is Will Richmond from Video News. And uh, Colin Dixon from Inscreen Media joins me as always. Hi there, Colin. How is everything? It's
0: great. Uh, I enjoyed watching some of the NFL game between the Dolphins and the Chiefs, uh, which we're going to get to in a little bit. But I definitely am glad that I was not at Arrowhead Stadium. That looked cold.
1: <laughs> that is for sure. It was cold out there, cold throughout the Midwest. Um, but we're going to get to the Chiefs Dolphins game on Peacock, the most streamed live event ever, reportedly. Uh, but first, we have a couple of news items this week, and you are going to get us started.
0: Yeah, and so uh, one of the things that I've been tracking pretty closely is uh, Sling TV's free stream. And our free stream is Sling's Fast Service. So it runs inside of the Sling app. But with Sling, you don't have to sign up for anything. You don't have to give them the credit card. You can just jump into Sling's app and watch all the free TV that they have. And they have a lot. 430-odd free channels, 41,000 titles of on-demand content. Ridiculous amount of stuff. So if you haven't had a chance to check out FreeStream, you should. And if you do they have another reason why you should give it a try. They have actually provided DVR functionality inside of FreeStream. No charge, it's free. You can record up to 10 hours of content from the channels that the provider provides inside of the FreeStream uh, FreeStream service. Uh, And this is the first time I think that a fast service has provided DVR recording capabilities free of charge. I should say that uh, Tableau, which is actually, it's a streaming box with a DVR that you can buy for, I think it's about $100. That actually can record off of fast channels as well. But this, of course, is done all in the cloud. So you don't need any box or anything except what you're currently streaming on to do this. So I love this. I think I will definitely be checking this out. I love uh, free stream and uh, I actually use Sling TV as well. So this is, I think, a great free benefit for free viewers if you want to check it out.
1: So what's the business model there, Colin? Are they, um, they're still inserting ads on uh, any DVR, any content that you've dvr
0: uh, I So I, I haven't had a chance to check it out yet, okay. Will. So I don't know if they allow you to skip ads with this DVR. I suspect that they don't, but I will double check on that. Wanted, they want you to come in and use free streams so that they can make money from ads. It's just like any other fast service. The free stream platform takes a cut of the ad revenue that's generated by the channels that are running inside of it. So my suspicion is that they probably don't allow you to skip the ads. That would be I think counterproductive, but it certainly is cool now that we're beginning to see more live events inserted into those fast channels. It's kind of cool that you can time shift them if you would if you would like
1: yeah, and on my on my radar this week, Colin, is that uh, Apple announced that a number of different streaming services and sports apps that are going to be available on its Vision Pro headset at launch, which is coming up on February second. So uh, they listed Disney Plus, ESPN, MLB, PGA Tour, Max, Amazon, uh, Prime Video, Paramount Plus, Peacock. Pluto TV, Tubi, Fubo, Crunchyroll, Red Bull TV, TikTok, and Movie, A lot of those streaming services are going to be offering 2D and 3D movies, each one offering a different amount of those, different selection. And um, and so that's coming. The uh, I think we've spoken about the Vision Pro in the past. I am I'm actually quite enthusiastic about it, notwithstanding that it's $3,500 to start. And of course, that will limit its market. But 3500 today will no doubt go down in the future. But I, I think it could be really um, you know, a huge step forward in terms of how uh, streaming TV and movies are consumed. And I expect, given their uh, history, that Apple will do a, a first-rate job with the Vision Pro. And so I'm enthusiastic to see it in action. And it looks like they have a bunch of great content partners signed up.
0: Well, they certainly do, and uh, I, I'm guessing they'll, they'll not get very many additional users, uh, because as you say, 3500 bucks is a pretty steep entry point for that device. All I can say is, why aren't these guys supporting Meta's headset? They'll get way more users that way. I, you know, I think MetaQuest 2 is 500 bucks. Is the Vision Pro seven times better than the MetaQuest 2? I doubt it.
1: I think Apple would say it's 100 times better than the the MetaQuest 2. But I think it's only, you know, we're just obviously a couple of weeks out from it being um, out there. Although I think, I don't know if that's pre-order or order on February 2nd. But one way or the other, it's going to be out there soon enough for the side-by-side comparisons to be made. And we'll see whether it measures up.
0: So, one thing I will say, Will, is that the, you know, AR is pretty powerful when it's done well. And um, we were talking a little bit before the podcast, and I was using a MetaQuest 2 over the holidays and playing some games that were set in my living room. And it was a lot of fun shooting aliens that were invading my, my living room. And uh, I could totally see doing that. Um, uh, but I've got to say that it's still very very all of these are very very cumbersome the Vision Pro is looks very cumbersome as well and somewhat isolating I can't see people watching movies together with Vision Pro because they would each need one so that's seven grand for two people to watch one movie and then I'm not even sure that the streams will be in sync Um, so there's a long way to go but I as you say um, we are learning. That's why I sus- I suspect that there are so many of the services that are flocking to Division Pro to, uh, to learn, to learn how we entertain in this environment.
1: Absolutely. Well, speaking of entertaining, let us get back to the Dolphins-Chiefs game, which has set all kinds of records uh, according to uh, NBCU. And um, you did a rundown. So, what was your what were your key takeaways?
0: Well, the first thing is that uh, you know uh, NBC, you need to focus your PRs, your press releases, because there was a ton of facts in that press release. Will, so uh, we'll we'll include links to that press release if you really want to read all of the data that they threw out and all of the the information. But I really want to zoom in on one particular piece of information. And, you know, we're really all about the streaming. So I wanted to know how many people were really streaming. And And what they said was, and I'm going to quote here, they said the Peacock exclusive AFC wildcard ranks as the most streamed event ever in the US with an average audience of approximately 23 million viewers across Peacock, NBC stations in Miami and Kansas, and on mobile with NFL Plus, according to Nielsen custom fast national data. So I really wanted to test this idea that it really was the most streamed live event. Well, this is actually pretty pretty easy because we know what the other most streamed live event it happens to be the Super Bowl every year. I think the Super Bowl comes up as the most streamed event um, in in the US, and so I went back and I looked at twenty twenty three to compare. Let me talk a little bit about how I come up with the number of people that stream the Super Bowl. Every year, whoever's streaming it, they, they put out how many people streamed it. But the problem is that when they do that, they don't include the virtual MVPDs. And that's a huge error because you know, it, it, it almost doubles the number of people that they say actually streamed. Um, so what I do is I go in and I correct for that. I calculate how many people based on the Nielsen ratings for the channel. I go in and calculate the number of people that were probably watching on virtual MVPDs and add those to the ones that were streamed. And I also go for average audience, not households, just exactly in the same way that NBCU is calculating it here. So if you do that, what you end up with in 2023 was that 21.8 million people, right around 22 million people streamed the Super Bowl last year. So, that is probably almost certainly up until now the most streamed live event in the US. So, I think yes, I will agree that if Peacock and the The other streams that were added in here are are all added up to 23 million. That yes, this was the most streamed live event in US history, but only just. And the other thing I will say (laughs) is it won't last. I fully expect that this year's Super Bowl will exceed 23 million streams when i run the same calculation and here's here's why i think that will in every year that i've calculated it there's been a big increase in the number of people streaming so if you look at uh, the difference between the 2022 game and the 2023 game i calculated about 18 million streamed in 2022 and 22 million streamed in 2023 and it seems to increase regardless of how interesting the matchup is. So whoever gets through to Super Bu- to the Super Bowl in Las Vegas in February, I think that we're going to see more than 23 million viewers for those streams, virtual MVPDs, and from CBS. CBS is carrying it this year. I think we'll see more than 23 million. So although it is by my calculations, just the most streamed live event. It won't be for long.
1: Yeah, I think that's a very fair point, Colin. No question the Super Bowl is the biggest It's the biggest TV event of the year and it's become the biggest streaming event of the year. Um, and no doubt it will uh, surpass the $23 million. Um, But of course, the big thing about the Dolphins-Chiefs game was that it was exclusively being streamed, except for in the team's home markets where it was available. Um, over the air, and uh, it was a pretty big, I think, a bold move by both Peacock and, and also by the NFL to carve out this game as being available streaming only, and I certainly read uh, a fair amount of grumbling from uh, different people that they felt that uh, you know the NFL games, which have really historically always been available uh on on uh, tv you know available on tv we're, we're now essentially paywalled in a in a streaming service so peacock was was doing this in order to expose peacock to uh, new um, potential new subscribers um, and i think really a key question here is of the 23 million how many are new subscribers to peacock and i suppose a follow-up question to that is and this is obviously pure speculation, but of the new subscribers to Peacock that came for the game, how many will stay after the first month? And I think that those are ultimately the metrics that um, uh, peacock would be looking at to determine whether this was a successful play or not. And I, my understanding uh, f- from uh, various reports that I've read is that peacock paid somewhere around a hundred million dollars for the exclusive rights to this one wildcard game. So, um, so that's the, the, the target that they're trying to get a return on. So what, what's your take, Colin? Do you, do you, how many new subs do you think they got out of this and any sense of how many might stay?
0: So my sense is that they probably did get a pretty big bump in people who ponied up the seven bucks to watch. Actually, it was six bucks, I think, that they had to pay to get to the minimum level so that they could actually watch through Peacock. Um, So not a huge amount of money. Annoying, for sure. And I can tell you there were a lot of people complaining about it. In fact, there was even one Democratic senator who (laughs) was... I don't know what he was yelling about doing, but he seemed to think that the, the people were already paying for cable so why should they have to pay for peacock well uh, this dude needs to look at the stats because less than half of people are now paying for cable uh, cable tv that is um, so there was a lot of grumbling uh, also the quality I, I jumped in and out a couple of times it worked great for me i was i didn't see a storm of protest i saw some complaints about buffering but that didn't seem to be universal so i think Peacock did a fairly good job in delivering it. So, the big question here is, I I, I mean, I, I suspect, Will, that they picked up, um you know, a million new subscribers, maybe half a million, something like that. How many of them they can hang on to? Well, that's really a question of how good a job they do in transitioning people to the rest of the content. I mean, it's basically like getting people in for a trial, right? So hopefully they are pushing content at those people that will be of interest i can say that i've been in peacock a couple of times since and i haven't seen any change in the way that they're pushing product pushing other shows you know will will people get in and have a good look around and find other things to watch there's plenty on there i like the service and i use it but um that that's the big question This is a it was a lot of money to spend to get people to come in and try. And uh, we'll have to wait and see how many people stick around and stay with it. And I can say that it looks like what's going to happen with this year's Super Bowl. I have a suspicion that CBS is not going to make the stream free for everybody to watch as has been the case in years past Uh, and the only way to watch it streamed will be on paramount plus or or of course through your virtual mvpd so this could be a a big draw for paramount plus too so we could see cbs and uh, paramount global doing the same thing trying to get people in on the trial for Paramount Plus, so that they can watch the Super Bowl and stick around for other content.
1: So, just to dig in a little bit more on that half a million to a million, that would suggest, Colin, that out of the 23 million who did watch it, that the vast, vast majority of them were already Peacock subscribers. And Peacock, I think, reported about 30 million subscribers last month or the, the month before that. Um, your number, your you know your your target would suggest that the vast majority were already were already in there, which um, I don't know would seem like I, I don't know what uh, what Peacock's um, you know target was, but that seems relatively modest to uh, only have picked up half a million to a million, and that the majority were already were already Peacock subscribers.
0: Yeah, and and I think my um, my numbers are. Pretty much speculation, Will, because I haven't seen yeah. any hard data. I didn't see, for example, Antenna is uh, very often tracking the number of signups for apps. And I didn't see any hard data. And I note that NBCU didn't give any hard data. They didn't say how many people, even qualitative, not even quantitative, They, didn't, yeah. they, let alone quantitative, they didn't give a hard number for the number of people that came into Peacock new to watch the game. Uh, so we really don't know. Um, yeah. I, I find it, I mean, I, it, it seems to me reasonable that it would be between 500,000 500, and a million people that would give it a try. It, 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 are those people in the local areas are probably the most likely to have done that. Uh, so if they didn't have pay TV that's possibly how they did it. If we get information on how many how many people signed up, we will certainly uh, report it in in the podcast when we get it.
1: I have no better number to share than than you do it's pure speculation i I would think it, I, my intuition tells me that it's higher than a half million to a million um, those that range seems modest relative to the um, you know main purpose that Peacock was going for here, which is to obviously expand the brand awareness and get and and try to stimulate trial. But it could be right. I don't know. They, yeah, I mean, yeah. one, one thing is for sure, though, is that it looks like from a technical perspective, they executed it very well. Uh, I didn't hear about any problems with the streaming.
0: I did hear about a couple, Will, oh, but I can okay. tell you, I
1: can tell you, when I got on
0: and and I looked, I had zero problems. Yeah. I was straight into the stream, yeah. and it looked great. Again, indistinguishable from watching right. it on regular TV.
1: And the good news is that uh, there's no way to measure latency compared to regular TV because it was only available on streaming. <laughs> that's that's exactly <laughs> that's right. the knock that's the knock on streaming, as we've talked about plenty of times before.
0: And the, the interesting thing to, to me, Will, is that this was not the only sports-related story. It really, it, this week, it really illustrates how streaming really is now becoming the primary way that people watch. Um, another way that, that this is illustrated is, I don't know if you saw the deal between Amazon and Diamond Sports... Um, it's really peculiar because it looked like that was nicked by nicked by MLB. They didn't seem to want to be involved with Amazon on the on the saving of Diamond Sports, but Amazon seems to have gotten in on the uh, recovery of. Diamond Sports from bankruptcy. Um, It's making a small, quote, small investment. Diamond now has a plan in place with its creditors so that it can exit the bankruptcy process and get back to delivering. But I gotta tell you, I think Amazon has a steal in what they have done, to what they get out of their small investment, whatever their minority investment is in this deal. Uh, because they get the, uh, they will host the apps that s- stream those local games. So the way this will work is uh, Diamond is going to handle the existing distribution agreements through RSNs to traditional pay TV and to the virtual MVPDs. So, you know, for example, I know that um, some some of the channels are available on, some of the RSNs are available on Fubo. So if you're a Fubo customer and you're a Timberwolves fan, for example, you'll be able to watch those on Fubo's RSN and Diamond Sports will continue to support that viewing. But if you don't have Fubo or you don't have traditional pay TV that actually has Diamond, Diamond Sports RSN, which in this case is Bally Sports North, then you'll need to be able to stream it. And the way you will do that, apparently, is you will need to be an Amazon Prime member or be paying for Prime Video separately. And then you can subscribe to, uh, maybe there'll be a Bally Sports North app or maybe there'll be a Diamond Sports app available via channels inside of Amazon. And that will be the only way that you will be able to get your local game. So I think this is this is a great deal for Amazon. It gives people you know who are sports fans who want to watch these games if they don't have pay TV the only way they'll be able to watch now is if they're a Prime member and they'll be able to buy through Prime Amazon Prime channels and watch through the Amazon app. So I this is a great deal for them and it also really illustrates now how pretty much everything is coming, all the sports now are gradually coming across to streaming.
1: Yeah, it certainly seems like it gives uh, some number of people, uh, you know, cord cutters, the additional incentive to become uh, prime members because they'll, as you said, they'll need to have that in order to be able to subscribe to their local RSN streaming service. That would only be available through Prime, so gives Prime that much more, much more strength in the market. And um, and as you said, is just you know another piece of evidence about how sports continue to keep creeping in uh, to the streaming world. And sometimes it's duplicative, like we'll see certainly with the Super Bowl. Sometimes it's exclusive, like we see with uh, Peacock and uh, the NFL Wild Card Game. And now, um, you know, sometimes sort of a hybrid, as we're seeing with the Diamond RSNs, and certainly more to come, as you said. It's it's all it's all eventually going to become available, uh, whether exclusive or on a on a hybrid basis.
0: You bet. I really feel like Amazon has gotten the best of this this deal. Will uh, I mentioned that Diamond will continue to operate the RSNs that are feeding into the pay TV universe? Uh, but when you think about it, uh, the pay TV universe is contracting pretty rapidly now, 8 to, 10, 8 to 10% subscribers a year, even if you include virtual MVPDs. If you exclude virtual MVPDs, then it's, it's declining at 13%, 10 to 13% a year. So Diamond's market, direct market is contracting pretty sharply. And I, we don't know what the deal was that Diamond did with Amazon on pr- the provision of these RSNs through channels. But you can bet that Amazon is getting a pretty decent share of the revenue that is earned through those. Um, and I'm speculating that it's probably going to be 25 or $30 a month if you're going to want to watch those through Amazon channels when they become available. Um, if you look at what other RSNs, what other local uh, sports franchises are charging, that's typically what they're charging their local local viewers. So Amazon will get a big piece of that and this market of course is rapidly expanding. And And also the fact that if you really want to watch those games uh, and you even and even if you're not already a prime member it's only going to cost you what $14.99 for prime a month or 139 a year uh, so it is way cheaper for you to cut the cable cut your cable and sign up for watching your local sport with Amazon that it is, if that's the only thing that you want right. from traditional cable. So this really, <laughs> the, the Amazon deal is actually helping accelerate the decline of where Diamond is delivering directly. So, uh, you know, great, a great deal for Amazon. It will accelerate the decline in traditional pay TV even, even more, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, key caveat being the one that you just mentioned, which is that if it's the only thing that you're interested in watching that's carried in, that's your, right. in your pay TV bundle, then yes, it's financially, it's a no brainer to make the switch. If there's other stuff, then obviously, or if you have family members that have other things that they like to watch, then it, it gets more complicated quickly, as we all know.
0: It does. Um, but if you look, everything's coming together. It's like a jigsaw puzzle that's beginning to take shape online now. Uh, I mentioned at the beginning FreeStream has has a DVR, so now we have a robust, free, fast network um, that actually provides DVR services. You now have all of the sports coming in subscription apps. You have most of the best content now is available online through streaming services. You can see that how pretty much All of the value that is provided or was provided by traditional pay TV is now available online. It's messy, that's for sure. It's difficult to manage all of the apps. But uh, I think people will get over that because it gives them, well, we we can see people are getting over that, right? Because they're coming. So all the pieces are in place, Will. And so I I think that we're going to see continued rapid decline in the traditional pay TV universe.
1: Well, let's leave it on that note for today, Colin, and we'll plan to pick up on all these topics. We'll also be keeping an eye if Peacock releases any additional information about the success of the uh, wildcard game. Uh, But I think that's it for today, right? I think it is. Okay, Colin, good chatting. Everyone, thanks for listening in, and we'll see you next week.
0: Inside the Stream is a production of
1: in-screen media and video news, all rights reserved.